everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter and joining me as always, although only in audio form this week if you're watching the video, we're having some internet issues at Tim's place and as a result he's audio only, but uh, Tim's here. Um, I've become one with the sound. <laughs> and one with the kangaroos apparently. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so that's the horror movie podcast. Uh, obviously our main episodes tend to be our movie discussion episodes, but every week, uh, although we missed the last week uh, or so, but... Uh, we're here to talk about horror movie news. We got some updates on release dates. We got some movie announcements and all that sort of thing. Uh, so we we'll dive into it. Uh, we'll also talk about any horror movies we happen to see over the past week or so uh, that weren't for review purposes. If you want to share any of those uh, at the end, we do that here too. So uh, yeah. So first up, we have uh, some release date changes. As expected, we've been getting a lot of these recently. Uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw, which was supposed to be out in May 15th, which is, you know, just under two weeks from now. Obviously, <laughs> not happy. We already had the news that it had been delayed. Uh, we do have a new release date for it, though, and it is May 21st, 2021. Whoa. <laughs> can, yeah. you, can, can you wait that long? Is that... Are you going to be okay? <laughs> a full year. They went a full year uh, with it, which I guess is just them being... Like they don't, I guess what they don't want to do is like, oh, we'll just delete it two months. Oh no, we have to delete it another two months because things aren't back to normal yet. I, yeah. I think a lot of the movie studios now are being very cautious and saying, no, what? Let's just assume it's going to be at least a year. Yeah, so, that makes sense. On another release date, a new release date, we got Antebellum, which was meant to be out in April, and uh, that was one that had a pretty unique trailer. Uh, the trailer was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, the new date for this is now August twenty first this year. Uh, Lionsgate putting this one out. Uh, okay, that was the Lionsgate one. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that one you could, you could just throw on VOD. It might end up happening. I mean, they're hoping theaters will be back uh, and open yeah. for business. I actually I saw a thing just like t- yesterday that uh, some theaters want to like start putting like security checks at the front. Oh uh, uh, yeah, li- <laughs> like you're at an airport to check yeah. if people have like fevers or anything like that and i'm like yeah that makes people want to go to the movie theater that they have to go through a security check to get into the <laughs> into the building especially when it's like i don't know you know if you're seeing like the turning or something like i don't know that's uh <laughs> way too much yeah all you're doing is making movie theaters less appealing uh and i get that everyone's desperate to try and start making money again but yeah not a time <laughs> uh and then one that i know we're both anticipating heavily is Escape Room 2, which <laughs> is now coming uh, on January 1st, 2021. Okay. Yeah, New Year's Day. Holiday release. Yeah, uh, well, it, it got delayed previously. It was meant to be coming out on December 30th uh, this year oh. as of the last update. So it's only actually moved by two days uh, since the last <laughs> time it was changed, but. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> it sounds much further, though, right? It's like now it's 2021. Whoa. Yeah. The whole year. Uh, and then the other one from last week uh, is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which has moved a whole uh, chunk of time as well. Uh, it's coming now on March 25th, 2022. Uh, it was meant to be... Originally, it was meant to be May 2021, but then everything, all the Marvel movies got bumped back a slot, and that moved it to November 2021, and now it's coming March 2022. So, Hey, that'll be uh, right before my birthday. So, happy birthday to me. Yes, your birthday in two years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we're all anticipating it. 
uh, greatly. <laughs> uh, so that, that's the release date moves uh, that stuck out to me when I was looking for news. Mm. So uh, we'll move on to some more interesting things. Uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is getting a sequel. Uh, mm-hmm. Andrea Overdahl <laughs> is working on it. Uh, of course, this was for Paramount Entertainment One. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so you got uh, Dan Hageman and Kevin Hageman are returning to write the script along with the director, uh, with Del Toro producing once again. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's actually set to have input in the story. So, the, the, the two, mm-hmm. I presume, brothers are writing the screenplay, but Del Toro's actually given some input in the story. Uh, so, no. Um... I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think we're a little bit down on the first movie, but uh, I don't know. Like, you know, I think there was some interesting stuff there. You know, if a sequel, they could kind of maybe use it to, you know, write some of the complaints about the first one. Because, yeah, I feel like a lot of people complain that there wasn't enough of the actual stories. I don't know if they maybe try to incorporate that more. It could possibly be interesting. I guess my complaint with the first one was just the the horror stuff felt really generic once it got going. I, I liked the start sure. of the movie when it felt like it was okay. It's a bunch of kids in a town, creepy stuff yeah. starts happening. I was into that, but uh, once it got going, like by the time it got to the end, I was really out of it, and it wasn't like for me anymore. So yeah, that's uh, what it is. Uh, next up, we have again with Lionsgate here. Uh, so not only did scary stories they're the one they're the antebellum so we mentioned Lionsgate already was the point i was making anyway uh <laughs> so they actually uh have boarded another film uh from the people behind antebellum uh gerard bush and Christ- uh, christopher rance is going to be they're going to be working on a movie called rapture uh which Lionsgate are, are working on uh, rapture portrays a family torn apart by warring beliefs which must come together to unravel the mystery around the sudden vanishing of the global population before it's too late. Uh, this is one of these ones where it doesn't actually make it outright clear that it's a horror <laughs> movie and not because this this could easily be a science fiction like post apocalyptic sure. movie uh, based yeah. on that description. But it doesn't actually say what it is, and it's unbloody disgusting. So I have to assume <laughs> that it has a horror bent, unless told yeah. otherwise. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really necessarily. I don't. Know do much for me uh i mean from that kind of vague description but you know maybe once a trailer comes out or something it could look kind of cool yeah well it's hard to it's hard to get excited because we've not seen antebellum but we should have (laughs) we should have seen that by now and then we'd have an opinion on these these filmmakers but because we haven't we're just sort of sitting here spinning wheels like oh maybe they're good we don't know maybe yeah maybe it's wonderful maybe maybe it's hot garbage sorry hot garbage I don't know. So yeah. uh, that's Rapture. Uh, next up, uh, we we are oh, oh, the wrong tab. Uh, next up, <laughs> uh, we have Dreamland, which is coming from director Bruce McDonald, who directed Pontypool, and oh, cool. he's actually bringing back Stephen McKay, who was in Pontypool. Uh, he's also oh. got Juliet Lewis in this, as well as Henry Rollins. And okay. Dreamland takes place on the night of the strangest wedding in cinema history where a grotesque gang boss hires a stone-cold killer to bring him the finger of a fading drug-addicted jazz legend. Now, that doesn't tell you a whole lot. Luckily, there's a, there's a, longer, <laughs> des- there's a longer description followed down the page here because the, the, the uh, headline for this actually mentioned Vampire Wedding and that little description, I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, where's the vampires? I thought it was a vampire. So here's the longer version of the description that was followed down the page. Um, this is from Fantasia. 
On the orders of his boss, a low-level gangster Hercules, played by Rollins, Hitman Johnny, <laughs> played by Mihai, must cut off the pinky finger of celebrated jazz trumpeter the Maestro, played also by <laughs> McHai. So McHai is playing two roles, for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, just before an important high-profile gig. Seems simple enough, <laughs> but the gig is a wedding at the fortified palace of crime queen the Countess, played by Juliet Lewis, and Johnny mm. isn't quite feeling it. Hercules is moving up from standard gangster stuff to human trafficking, and the reason for the pinky request is more of a slight than anything else. Like all movie hitmen, Johnny is thinking of getting out of the game, and this job has convinced him that it's time to retire. Throw in the Countess Vampire's brother. So so the Countess has a brother who's a vampire. I just, just casually mentioned here at the end of the description. Uh, his child bride and the wedding from hell. You'll think you've imagined it all, but no, it's just a visit to dreamland. So I'm going to be honest. I, I, I have a, like, I would not even think this is a horror movie until it just casually mentioned vampire. <laughs> like, sure. Towards the end of it. Like, no, this sounds like a hitman story where the hitman wants to get out of the game. And this is his one last job kind of thing. Yeah. Uh oh boy, I don't know. <laughs> there's like a, a sounds like there's a lot going on there. Um, I'm certainly intrigued. I I, I do like Pontypool. Um, and I don't know. It, it's it's hard to tell if this premise is like, all right, this is way too overcooked, or oh, this is gonna like be wonderfully bizarre. Um, I'm definitely intrigued though. Yeah, I uh, you know, I I like Pontypool well enough as well, and I think it's funny yeah. that. That movie's essentially the the smallest amount you can do in a movie because it's all set in a radio booth where he's just yeah. hearing all these stories. <laughs> and then this movie sounds like it's got every bit of plot you could possibly imagine thrown <laughs> at it. Uh, so this yeah. is coming out on June 5th uh, on VOD platforms. So okay. uh, this will be one that we'll get access to, you know, in a couple months. Well, not even a couple, one month or so. So yeah. uh, looks that's yeah. We'll, we'll we'll try it and we'll see if it's <laughs> the mess that it kind of sounds like or. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, at, at the very least, I'm <laughs> looking forward to see, you know what it's going to be like. Yeah. Uh, so that's Dreamland. Next up, uh, IFC Midnight recently acquired the North American rights to Natalie Erica James' directed Australian horror film Relic, uh, which made its world premiere at Sundance Film Festival in January. So uh, this is going to be coming out from them on July 10th. Uh, presumably, that'll be... VOD. It doesn't actually say that, but I assume because who who who's picking a release date right now and putting it out in you know two months? Right. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> you have to do it theatrically. That is. Anyway, so here's the description. Uh, when Edna, the elderly widowed matriarch of the family, goes missing, her daughter Kay and granddaughter Sam travel to the remote family home to find her. Soon after her return, they start to discover a sinister presence haunting the house and taking control of Edna. Honestly, that description on its own sounds a little bit generic, supernatural, possession. There's not a whole lot there to, to go on here. The only thing I have here to give me some sort of hope for this one is that apparently it got a decent amount of praise when it when it did screen at Sundance. So, yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, I'll, we'll probably give it a try then and see, see how it is. Sure. Uh, and Emily Mortimer's a, a bit of a name. You know, I know who that is. So, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. something. <laughs> It uh, doesn't mean it'll be good, of course. Many a good actors been in a bad horror movie. Yeah, no, I'll um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have much opinion. Yeah, but uh, obviously, you know, we'll check it out. What was that? Uh, that one in the boat last year. I think it was like Pierce Brosnan was in. Uh, <laughs> oh well, there, uh, there was um, 
uh it was just called mary and it was uh what, mm. what the hell's his name uh gary oldman mm. uh Gary Oldman, yeah. that's the one I'm thinking of, not Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, uh, it was horrible though. <laughs> I ended up watching it; it was pretty boring. Mm. But right. <laughs> okay, uh, so that is that is Relic. Uh, so yeah, actually, I'm just going to add one more news story here to put on at the end, even though it's <laughs> TV related and not movie related. But I think it's worth us talking about. Uh, oh, so okay. You probably know what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, next up, uh, Magnet has acquired a film, again, from Sundance. Uh, so mm-hmm. some of the Sundance movies are making their way to distributors. Uh, so Magnet releasing uh, have announced that they have acquired the North American rights to Amulet, uh, the feature of the actorial debut of actress-turned-filmmaker Ramola Garay. The film starring Carla Jury, Alec Sakharinu, and Imelda Stunton. I mean, this is a foreign film, clearly, just based, you know, based on all these <laughs> names. Uh, so that is world premiere uh, to critical acclaim, acclaim at the midnight section at Sundance. Uh, they're going to release this uh, in theaters and on demand. I mean, theaters is kind of optimistic here because <laughs> again, this is July twenty fourth. I mean, we'll see. But here's the description: Amulet follows Tomas, the former soldier who is left homeless after an accident and takes refuge in the decaying home of Magda, a lonely young woman in desperate need of help as she cares for her ailing mother. At first hesitant, Magda soon welcomes Tomaz into their lives, but as he gets closer to her and begins to fall for Magda, Tomaz notices strange and unexplainable phenomena. Something seems very wrong with the mysterious old woman who never leaves the top floor, and Tomaz begins to suspect that Magda may in fact be a prisoner to her otherworldly bidding. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be go- cool. <laughs> I don't know. It's always kind of hard, uh, like i don't know i feel like with with horror movies like the premise you know can always can sound like pretty good <laughs> it's it's hard to get like a feel like you know right away without like a trailer or you know knowing about like people's previous works or whatnot mm-hmm. and as i said this is a directorial debut so yeah, <laughs> yeah. i i uh i i feel like again at getting so much credit you know, uh, you know, so much acclaim, yeah. I should say, for, from the festival, uh, it does make me a little bit more curious. That said, I have definitely been That's bit true. before on critical acclaim for, because uh, I feel like sometimes you get like absolute crap that has like all these festival awards. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Was, yeah. was that a slow year that year? Was there not a whole lot to pick from? <laughs> but at the same time, sometimes it does work out, and we get these little gems that otherwise wouldn't get a whole lot of fanfare. And, Definitely, well, I mean, we'll keep an eye out. We'll see how it is, but it's called Amulet, and it's coming uh, on July twenty fourth. Uh, so we'll likely look at it sometime in the f- near future after that. So that is Amulet. Uh, next up, uh, we're going to talk about War Hunt, which interestingly notice here that while most of you know production has shut down across Hollywood and everywhere else, uh, this is actually a movie that kept shooting <laughs> whilst everything else <laughs> shut down, which okay. makes which makes me think about that's a bit weird and <laughs> maybe maybe it makes me question the professionalism and the right the safety concerns <laughs> of the people in charge of this movie uh, but <laughs> interestingly this is actually going to star uh mickey rourke who of course we oh. saw in nightmare cinema last year obviously he's known yeah. for a lot more than that but uh that's what we saw him in recently horror wise so it's a world war ii fantasy horror called war hunt it follows the elite squad of american soldiers on a secret mission during world war ii Trapped behind enemy lines in Germany's Black Forest, the men are confronted by a coven of witches. Uh, okay. Um, 
I, I, I mean, I, th- I think I said before, like, I never really like, um, you know, uh, war horror stories. Like, whenever people try to, you know, combine some supernatural thing with, like, a war setting or aesthetic, it usually doesn't do much for me. Um, I mean, th- this could definitely be cool, though. I mean, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, necessarily write it off, but I'd say typically this isn't the kind of thing I fancy that much. Yeah, uh, Robert Nepper's also in there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the crew on the project, which shot in uh, Riga, the capital of Latvia, were allowed to continue um, working and by abiding by government guidelines as the site. Uh, this, these include having donned <coughs> face masks and gloves, having their temperatures taken twice a day, social distancing, and disinfecting the equipment. So, okay. Uh, they, they were allowed to keep shooting while they were in Latvia. I, I guess the thought of having to fly home and then come back to Latvia... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a bit unappealing. So they, uh, even even though for everything we understand that there's, I mean, if you're asymptomatic, you're asymptomatic. So mm-hmm. like, doesn't necessarily stop anything. But hey ho, uh, so that's called Warhunt. I do like the idea of uh, we don't get a lot of witches movies, right? I feel like yeah, you know, may- maybe this is something that could be cool. Admittedly, <sighs> Mickey Rourke, even though I mean, I'll, I've liked him in a couple of things. You know, obviously he's great in the wrestler and yeah whatever but when you look at look at nightmare cinema he was like outside of the last story which wasn't that good he was the weakest part of that movie <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> uh, now it wasn't necessarily his fault his, it was his character had real no purpose it just felt kind of pointless and tacked on but mm-hmm. uh it's the, the image they've got got of him here on bloody disgusting it looks like he just did in that movie in fact i think they're even in a theater <laughs> in this image so it's not giving me any ideas of like him doing something different i've not seen before yeah or whatever so there you go uh yeah i mean i think he's a good enough actor uh but yeah it probably needs the right director to rein him in or you know <laughs> show him the ropes or whatever but uh i don't know could be cool i don't know <laughs> yeah uh so we'll wrap up news story wise at least with a, a non-movie thing this feels something that's worth mentioning is we know there's a hellraiser movie in the works we've talked about that a couple of times recently but there's also a Hellraiser TV show now in the works, and yeah. HBO are the ones behind it. Uh, what does not excite me quite as much as some of the names attached to this one. Uh, David Gordon Green is directing mm-hmm. the pilot and will direct several other episodes in the season, or season one at least, I assume. Uh, mm-hmm. David Gordon Green, of course, did Halloween 2018 and the upcoming Halloween Kills, which... My biggest problem with that movie was the direction not fitting the the style of movie or the character. And yeah. Now, admittedly, that may not be as much of an issue with Hellraiser because Hellraiser is not supposed to be the slow, suspenseful, you know, stalking movie that Halloween is. It's a very different type of uh, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, HBO are developing this, and like, I mean, if you're going to pick a network for a Hellraiser TV show, I mean, HBO would be one of your top choices, presumably. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I th- I want to say. I mean, I could be wrong, but David Gordon Green, I think he does a lot of those Danny McBride shows on HBO. Like, I imagine he was involved in, like, Righteous Gemstones and Vice Principals, probably. Uh, you're right, yes. I brought up Halloween because I thought it was more relevant, but you're right. Uh. Right, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, like, uh, like obviously, yeah, that would be the big horror thing that he's done before. So maybe he doesn't have quite the horror chops. But, um, I mean, given of what I know him from, I at least think maybe... Uh, his TV stuff like that, I seem to enjoy a bit more. So maybe it might be a better fit for him. But um, 
yeah, I think this is really interesting uh, news. I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Hellraiser series, and I, uh, yeah, like obviously we've been doing the movies, and we haven't really gotten to like the really, really bad uh, sequels yet. But uh, it is something I could see that could like make a comeback, and it, it is feel kind of wild because we've had so much movie news like the past couple of years. Like first, Clive Barker was going to reboot it, uh, then it was um, David Goyer, and then. Uh, didn't they just say someone after that? The the guy that did the ritual? I, I don't know. Yeah, that was the most recent one. Is That's the one that's... Uh, at least right now, that's the one going forward. But, I mean, we'll see if <laughs> it actually happens. Yeah, and I mean, my first thought was like, oh, well, all right, if they're doing a TV show, I guess I don't want to do a movie anymore. But then, I mean, I guess there is kind of precedent now because we had, like, you know, Child's Play and everything, uh, you know, last year, which presumably is still getting its TV show. So, I you know, doesn't yeah. mean a movie and a TV show can't coexist far as we know and you know this is one of these things where if this happens this is likely something that me and you'll review you don't usually do tv but yeah you know if there's a chucky tv show or a hellraiser tv show we've done oh, the whole definitely. franchise you know yeah. th th that's going to be a, a streams thing for sure in some capacity uh but yeah. another name that's maybe a bit more hopeful i think is michael doherty who did uh krampus oh, right. uh, yeah. and godzilla kill the monsters and trick-or-treat i mean i think trick-or-treat's a little bit overrated but uh, I did really like Krampus uh, and Godzilla. Well, the human characters weren't great. I did have a lot of fun with the monster stuff. So, uh, yeah. I, I think him being on board to like maybe you know do the Cenobite stuff and whatnot. Uh, he's well, he's he's writing anyway. He's co-writing with Mark uh, Verheiden, who worked on Battlestar Galactica uh, from two thousand three. So, yeah, don't know what he's been doing did since do, then. But did he do some Ash versus Evil Dead stuff? Uh, maybe I don't know. It doesn't I say could, that. You, you, you I, would think they mentioned that on Bloody Disgusting when they're talking about yeah. <laughs> or a TV I, show. I, but... <laughs> I could be wrong. I might have been thinking about some other... Because uh, I feel like I, I heard something recently about someone that was involved in that, but um, maybe I might be thinking of a, <clears throat> a different story. But uh, I, I think my big hope for this is I would really love if they were to do uh, like an anthology series because uh, I really like the um, old Hellraiser comics, like the ones from the... I want to say... I want to say maybe early 90s. I don't know if it was late 80s, but I think definitely 90s. Um, had a pretty good run of Hellraiser series, but there was very like um, uh, like they were kind of, they're all like you know one shots or like small story arcs that were you know usually just involving like you know different people uh, you know finding the box or like you know delving into you know different kind of people's like own personal hells and that sort of thing. Uh, and so it was like there's some really fun creative stories. So I think if you're gonna do a Hellraiser series, that would be the way to go. Like, um, I, I think what my worry would be, especially with, uh, yeah, I feel like the last couple of things. I, uh, I mean, not just HBO in general, but I think a lot of TV shows nowadays just uh, they really stretch things out. So like, I, I wouldn't want to see just you know like a ten episode long re retelling of the you know first movie or something well, like that. Uh, you've got, you're poking at those questions. Let me read the details here for what we know about it. At least what they've okay. said about it so far. The idea is to create an elevated continuation and expansion of the well-established Hellraiser mythology. It is by no means a remake, but rather assumes the past mythology to be a given. The centerpiece hmm. remains Pinhead, the pincushion-headed mercilessly draw the Cenobites, the, uh, the formerly humans turned demons that live in an extra-dimensional realm and are activated through a puzzle box called the Lament Configuration. The Cenobites come from hell to harvest human souls and keep balance between good and evil. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, they're saying it's not a remake and it's not retelling the story of the movie. Okay. So right. uh, That's good, at least. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do expect a serialized element, but I could see it incorporating kind of an anthology-esque element too. Like, yeah. more if there's a through line of someone like look, look, hunting down the, the box or whatever, but yeah. I, as they go through the story, like we meet other different people who are all essentially like just to their episode kind of thing. I don't know. You could, you could do yeah. something like that. Uh, but yeah, so that is... Uh, that is a Hellraiser TV show, so we'll, cool. we'll see if it if it goes through. But yeah, and then and the other thing too, of course, is like uh, you know, I don't want to see something that's like gonna explore like all the Cenobites like you know backstory and have them as like the main focus. Like they always work good as kind of the you know like catalyst to the story or whatever. Like the you know thing that pops up in the end. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I hope it's uh, you know they don't really overdo it, but yeah, again, we'll see. Ah, uh, just you wait. We're going to have flashbacks to every centibite of who they were. Unfortunately, we... <laughs> I don't yeah. need Butterball's origin story. Like, I, I'm good. <laughs> um, I mean, I could definitely see one of the new characters becoming a, a centibite by the end sure. of the season. Like, that's totally something they're going to do. But yeah. hey, uh, so yeah, there you go. That's that is the the horror news. Uh, for obviously, that, that's mm. a, there's actually a few things from last weekend there as well. I, I, you know, mm. obviously things have slowed down a little bit because of what's going on in the world right now. But uh, yeah, and one one thing probably important to mention too. I don't know if you saw it as I think it just happened like a day or two ago. But the uh, I believe the co-writer of the first Child's Play movie just passed away. Oh, I did not see this. No. Yeah. Uh. You know. My apologies. Yeah. I forget his name. Um. I, I want to say like Lee something maybe. But um. Yeah. Uh. You know. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away. And like, I think it seemed like he was somewhat young. Again, didn't seem like he was like a super old dude. Yeah. Yeah. Know. There's uh a lot. There was the uh, cinematographer for uh, E. T. passed away at, like a week or two ago. Uh, oh, and that was actually because of you know the the virus. That was. Oh jeez, that specifically, uh, which yeah. obviously not everyone passing away right now is because of that, but it's definitely, right. uh, it seems to be a a reasonable amount of people you hear about passing away are because of that. So it's just it's in- so the first question now is, oh, was it this or was it, was it something else? You know that would happen yeah. anyway. But yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so that, that's that's the news. Um, we could briefly just bring up any movies, horror movies that we've watched in the last week or so that uh, you know, if you want to mention them, I have one too. <coughs> talk about i don't know if you've got any you want to throw out there um you know i actually haven't been watching a ton of horror uh stuff this last week um i, I guess it's you know tangentially uh uh related but um you know you probably consider this more sci-fi but i actually watch every uh fly movie because i, oh, I got yeah, the sure. uh you know scream factory uh box set for it which um i'd only ever seen you know the one you know jeff goldblum movie i'd actually never seen any of the other ones um but uh i don't know i I enjoyed him for the most part i think the 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 first one i i i like the the premise of it um like i i do like that so much of it is just like you know kind of this woman that seems crazy that's like you know murder like everyone's just trying to figure out why she murdered her husband and why she keeps looking for this fly um but i i did find it to be a little bit boring but then those last like 15 20 minutes i i think are you know phenomenal like you know especially that kind of you know like the big punchline or whatever to the very end I, I thought it was really cool um and then the the second one uh you know it's just uh seems very unnecessary um you know there was a couple of cool stuff in it but it wasn't anything great the third one i really really just didn't feel at all um 
I wasn't a huge fan. And then, uh, <clears throat> you know, the the 80s Jeff Goldblum one. Um, yeah, it had been a while since I'd seen it. But, man, I forgot how good it is. Like, I, I really, really love that movie. Like, it's, uh, you know, like, it's science fiction, but it's also, like, you know, maybe, like, one of the best body horror movies ever made. And, uh, man, just, like, you know, everyone is, like, so good in it. The special effects look great. That is just a really phenomenal movie. And then uh, I'd never seen the sequel before, but <laughs> the sequel is kind of bad. Uh, it, it does have, like, some special effect, cool special effects and stuff in it. Um, but I feel like it kind of takes a while to get, you know, anywhere interesting, but yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I've seen the original, uh, film uh, with Vincent Price and I seen the Jeff Goldblum one and I saw the sequel to that one. I've, I haven't seen the second or third, uh, of the 50s series, but someday I'll do them an ace at some point. So yeah, like, I don't think you really have to see them. Like only if you're, you know, if you, if you're someone like us, who's probably like, you know, little, bit of a completionist when it comes to you know if you want to call this a franchise or whatever but um yeah i don't think they're like anything you really need to to seek out but you know i was glad that i watched them yeah um so there you go I, yeah i watched a movie called killer kate uh last okay weekend and mm. the first half of it is really boring uh like mm. very quickly you realize oh wait this is one of these movies where it's just people talking for endless amounts of time with really mediocre dialogue uh mm-hmm. acting that is typically just mediocre there's one or two bad actors but for the most part it's just kind of dull acting it's not it's not that it's like the worst thing ever um mm. but then one of the big things though is that once you hit about the halfway point in the movie mm-hmm. and the actual stuff happens because it's this group of like uh women who are going for like a, a hen night or sorry a uh, bachelorette party to use a the american term <laughs> they're going for a bachelorette was so, it hen night is the term hen night's the uk term for it yeah okay uh, <laughs> interesting cool um, but they, they they get like a, an airbnb style thing right like a house uh okay. in, in la it's not actually i mean it's, it's like la bnb they call it in the movie because they're not going to use the right the, the, the actual name but uh and it's this this family of killers, and when I say family of killers, you're gonna be thinking, oh, you mean like Texas Chainsaw, or like you know some sort of weird family like that? No, no, no. They're they're pretty dull people who are. are and this is the bizarre thing is whenever it cuts to them planning their attack, because it does do that. Like you don't, it's not like you don't see them until they show up. Like they, we have scenes of them kind of talking about the fact that they're going to try and murder this group of people that are going to have trapped in a house. Mm-hmm. They, they it feels like it's, try, it's, it's more of a black comedy when it's with them but when it's with kate and the others it's like dead series and whatever but once the action starts get going it becomes laughably bad because the characters oh, yeah. start doing things that make no sense and uh, they really mm-hmm. want kate to be like the character from your next uh because they want her to like, become a badass but it's it's mm-hmm. all just kind of laughable and doesn't really make a whole lot of sense uh the the big standout moment for me was that after they witness the first person being killed, uh, their pizza that they ordered arrives, and they, <laughs> they, they pull the pizza guy in, and just casually, whilst they're like panicking and talking about what to do next, both Kate and her sister just start casually eating the pizza as if it's nothing. Like, <laughs> what? You're just going to casually eat the pizza that just arrived? Like, that doesn't make sense. You, you, you just saw someone get murdered. Yeah. Uh, and it's the- hey, I might do that. <laughs> but it's, and if it was meant to be like a funny beat because it's like a comedy then fair enough but it, 
all the stuff with these characters is played pretty much dead straight until maybe the very very end so yeah uh, that was really odd and the motivations for the killer is absolutely insane like it's the most mundane yet ridiculous thing for uh, for like a, a, a for, for the motivation of a guy who got his entire family to try and murder a group of people it's <laughs> a very absurd motivation uh i'll just say that uh but yeah killer kate not good um, might be worth watching with people as a bad movie, but be warned it doesn't get fun bad in a way until the second half. The first half is pretty tedious, but uh, it does okay. have good music though. There's a good synth soundtrack to it, so I mean, okay. there's one positive that I can give it. But that's that's uh, basically it. Um, with that cat over there. Uh, so there you go. That is uh, that has been this week's movie horror movie news. Uh, so let us know what you thought of this stuff in the comments. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. You can get us on the Twitters, at Screams Midnight, if you want to uh, at us, or uh, see t- Tim's ramblings on Twitter, or whatever. <laughs> uh, you can go do that. Uh, you can support everything we do, go to patreon.com slash TV, and you can do that for as little as $1 per month. And you'll get bonus episodes of Screams After Midnight, bonus movie review episodes. Uh, we'll do B-movies usually and weird things and whatever. Uh, but you get those at $1 and up. At the $5 tier and up, you get access uh, to voting once per month and you get access to all the movie review episodes uh, a day early. So uh, go and have a look see if you want to support everything we do and keep all the content coming. Uh, but you can go do that uh, over yeah. there. And uh, uh, and real quick, speaking of uh, support, uh, just a, a little... Uh, commercial here but i have a uh, small comic in in uh, anthology um that has an indiegogo campaign right now called uh, housebound which is a bunch of uh comic book creators um like indie creators got together and uh, we all wrote comics about how we're dealing with the quarantine so if you want to check that out uh it's called housebound on the indiegogo you can get it right now yeah uh doesn't the proceeds go to charity yeah right? uh yeah. Yeah, so yeah, all the proceeds go to charity. I forget which ones off the top of my head, but um, yeah, it's all stuff to benefit like uh, comic creators and um, you know, there's stuff for COVID nineteen relief. So um, yeah, it's all going for a good cause. So if you wanna, you know, feel good about yourself and read some cool comics, check that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's us. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies, guys, and we will see you next time.